Welcome to a special two-part edition of the Ian Prendercast, another sports podcast in which I, Sean Peterbudge, am joined by Fabian Guadagnolo and Tim Davis, all of us Carlton Football Club tragics, to delve into the past, present and future of our great club. In part one, Fabian has a look back at the era of recruiting and list development that led us to Stephen Silvani's appointment, at which point I take us from the 2015 draft up until today. In part two, available on our feed, Tim has just about as thorough a look at our list as you'll hear, see or read anywhere with his list ladder before taking us through all the scenarios and potential permutations of keeping or trading pick one. You absolutely won't want to miss that. As always, we hope you enjoy, and whether you do or you don't, please hit us up at Twitter at theprender underscore cast. Thank you very much. Welcome to this very special episode of the Ian Prendercast, another sports podcast. This is our second Carlton-centric episode called A Carlton Carol. We're going to have a look at why we are where we are, where we hope to go, how we hope to get there. Uh, I'm Sean Peterbudge. I'm joined by Fabian Guadagnolo. Hello, Fabian. Hello, Sean. Hello, he's, Tim. Uh, how are you? He's, I'm introducing Tim, Fabian. Oh, I was just saying hello to him. You are the ghost of Carlton Pass, so you'll be taking us through uh, from sort of late 07, you know, when Chris Judd rocks up through to when Stephen Silvani comes on board. The man taking us into the future will be Tim Davis. Thank you for joining us, Tim. Thanks for having me, Sean. And hello, Fabian. Hello, Tim. Yeah, you can say hello. Um, and of course, I'll be doing the, the sort of the present. So from when Sauce walks through the door 2015 uh, through to today, mm-hmm. did we want to have a brief sort of social and chat a little bit about this year? <laughs> what and- is that talking about, <laughs> about this year? Oh, last week, if, if you want to. I'll well, just- I think, the, yeah, the last week with, I think, Stephen Silvani's. Um, uh, uh, tay with we had a um, win. We had a win. We absolutely had oh, a win. That's this week, by the way. But anyway, yeah. So um, I thought you were talking about last week. Are oh, you talking about it's talking season about... in general, man? Oh, that's the right. season, general, no, no, terms no. of how it's gone. Oh. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Keep going. Well, I think it was one of the highlights of our season. <laughs> it was. Like, the, it, it really it's was. It's the highlight of the season. I oh, know the first ten minutes of the Richmond game was the highlight oh, of the that season. Was fantastic. Oh, first five goals of the Richmond game. I remember thinking, we look all right. We <laughs> flag. flag. I walked away from that thinking, that's okay. And then 10 minutes into the Gold Coast game, I'm thinking, this isn't good. <laughs> Sean left his seat 10 minutes into the Richmond game and started lining up for grand final I did. tickets. I went outside the, the ticket booth. <laughs> he put the tent up. <laughs> there, there was an old line from James Hurd when they entered their um, supplements regime. Mm-hmm. His comment within the club was, we're too small, we're too skinny, and the line was, it's like we need to do two pre-seasons in one. And as a Carlton supporter that day, you thought, it's like we've done two pre-seasons in <laughs> yeah. one. And, no, and it's just, we've, we've just, uh, just the time warp into relevance was the way that I looked at it. Why Why do you think, even throughout sort of spurts of pre-season, the St. game, I understand it's just a JLT game, but the start of the Richmond game, um, we... We look good. We look sharp. We look like we moved the ball well. We look like we'd actually developed. And wow, we're just, we've, uh, I think from probably almost the first bounce of the Gold Coast game, we just went backwards and we've gone backwards at a rate at knots and really haven't looked uh, very good for. Fab's just been tinkering with a microphone. That's what that sound is. Um, we haven't really looked any good since. We've looked disorganised. 
we've looked out of our depth. We've looked terribly unstructured and easy to play against. That's that's the the thing for me. It's the structure. Well, and as so from the outside, you go, "What are we trying to do? What what, what is the game plan? What mm. are we trying to do?" There's no. What are we doing week to week? A breakdown in structure is acceptable, track. and not having an idea of what the structure is is kind of unacceptable. So, and yeah. I accept that part of that is down to the personnel available. It's been quoted a lot of times, especially in the recent. We're going to get into this a bit later on, but especially in the recent past, it's been quoted a bit about what's been available to Brendan Bolton hasn't been what he hoped would be available, and that has absolutely affected the way we want to play back to front. But still, that it doesn't take. What is that? <laughs> it doesn't take talent to be organised, and we've seen at times Fremantle, Brisbane, North Melbourne, there are a couple that spring immediately to mind where it's like, what are we trying to do? Why are we so easy to play against? Yep. It's just, And it's like you sit there going, it, it shouldn't be like this. No, yeah. I, I agree completely. Yeah. And look, we're, we've, we've heard a lot of people t- say the words cohesion. Um and, and and again, you know, some of the comments during the week were, you know, 16 players unavailable. So exactly as you say, not having your first choice 22 is frustrating. But as you say, even the guys that are there, some of your senior players, they don't give you the absolute confidence that they know exactly what they're doing and why. But I think a lot of it is confidence and, and just not being able to control your opposition enough to be able to play the game the way that you want to play. Yeah, I agree. And to me, I mean, I was thinking about, you know, Brisbane are getting a lot of praise the last couple of weeks because um, they've had a few wins and you go, that's great. And they're in a market that sort of need wins. I don't know about you guys. My attitude is almost, for us now, we're 1-16. 1-16? 15. 1-15. And, 16? and, 16? 15. One and, 15. and it's, um, it's a wins at this stage, of the, wins, they're cotton candy for us. They don't actually do anything. They're just a short sugar hit that you go, we're 2-15. and 15. Yep. We're yep. still bottom by two games or whatever it is. I'd rather be 2-15. and 15. That would be good. It'd be well, better than 1-16. and 16. But it, it ultimately doesn't – the season has long since passed the point of no return. And I think with it has gone – this is probably what's most frustrating for me. And once again, we'll touch on it a little bit later. We've just lost such an opportunity to take something out of the year. Harry Mackay should play – Every single week, without doubt. there is no excuse for him to not play. Guys like, I understand he's injured at the moment. When he's fit, David Cunningham should play every single week. We come out of this year, and the only guy we really know a lot more about is Charlie Kerno. And you can make a case for a Zach Fisher in the sense that they've taken some steps forward. Zach's taken. You go, that's that's great. But I think the season's catching up with him a little. But he, he showed enough in the front end of the season. Yeah, so, even yeah. last week I thought he, yep. was, he was pretty good. He was, he was lively, but... Yep. It's just I think we're going to get to the end of it, win-loss aside, and just look at it and go, what did we actually accomplish across a 22-25 week season, including pre-season? And you blooded Dow and O'Brien. Yeah, and that's, that's the expectation yeah. of those guys that have come in, and that's fine. But you sit there and go, we're still, we just still feel like we, we haven't at least set ourselves up to go into pre-season and to go into next year going, this will be better. Because we actually don't know a whole lot. We don't know more than we knew at the you know February this year. We've, we've possibly been teased by Tom DeConning in, like Tom in, DeConning. in the reserves. Yep. Yeah, like Tom DeConning. Seen him a couple of times out there and uh, really taken aback. You know, it needs time and he's re-signed, I think, Fabio to said, is it 2021? Um, yeah, it is. It was a two-year yeah, two extension, extension, so he's got three years to go Which now. Which is great. He, he's a guy who I think could surprise people if we, we might see him in pre-season next year. But 
Who he, else re-signed today? Schumacher? Yeah, Angus Schumacher. No, yeah, that wasn't the announcement. It was two... I did see this. Paddy Kerr. Paddy Kerr. Paddy Kerr, Kerr one-year extension. Kerr, Kerr. Yep. And look, he's a guy who's shown a little bit, and, and I think he's got one more year. For those of us... Yeah, who, so he signs a two-year contract yeah. as a standard draftee. He's now extended it by one. Yeah, so that's fine. Yeah. That's okay. For those of us who watch the VFL a bit, I think we're more encouraged from what Paddy Kerr has done in the VFL than what he has done at the AFL level. But he's done enough to encourage us. Well, he's done enough to look... And once again, we don't want to name names and, and you know delve too deep there, but he's done more than similar key position types we've had in the past. We actually look at him and go, yeah, okay, you're, you're tracking along for a guy that's two-thirds of the way through his first season. Yeah. You're, you're giving us something that we can work with. But De Conning is, is one of those guys who... I don't want to be listening back to this in five years' time and go, he's fallen off the face of the earth. But so, something at, I'll, I'll, let's go to the replay. Yeah, <laughs> but, but at the moment, he, from what I've seen of him, I've been really, really encouraged. Well, yep. And I think the important point for those that don't know a lot of his background is his father was a former VFL footballer who was on the list at Footscray. Um, he's a terrific size at, what, 199, 200 yep. even. Uh, as a 17-year-old, when he was ineligible, he was playing full forward for Danny Nong Stingray, Stingrays and he kicked eight in a game, I think. And I think he was already sort of, you know, being tracked, so to speak. But obviously, you put in a performance like that, people take notice. Um, I think he'd had injury problems through his uh, 18-year-old season, so wasn't able to show everything that he had at his disposal. Um, And his name's now going to escape me, but Port Adelaide drafted a kid who was All-Australian two years in a row as a 17- and 18-year-old. And Soss, he was on the board at that point. And we've taken this kid who looks like he's our project Ruckman he, he looks who a can bit play like, forward. Hate, you know, everyone says it is like, what kind of player is he? Mm. Oh, he's a Paddy Dangerfield or he's a Paddy Cripps or whatever else. Like, he, he actually looks Grundy-like. I was going to say Simon Madden, but... Oh, that would be <laughs> even better. That would be even better again. But just in terms of his mobility, he can impact around the ground. Yep. Uh, he's quite good touch. Yeah, he's done a few good things where you, you go, wow. I sat next to Simon Madden, by the way, on the way up to Hamilton Island. We both got caught in the uh, in the cyclone. There you go. Did you share a moment that lasts forever? No, no. He was up in his house, private thingo, up in the hill, and I was in the hotel. But I'm saying we're both stuck on the island. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's a wonderful football cyber. royalty. Yeah. <laughs> Who me? <laughs> yep. <laughs> or just ask Drew Petrie about your jewels in the MCG. So without further ado, I mean, like I said, this season, I think the worry for me is a bit of a write-off, not just in terms of win-loss, but in terms of development. It just feels like. We've stagnated. That seems like an obvious thing to say, but it's a worrying mm. thing to say when we. I don't know what we take out of it. Oh look, I think every every club now and again has a bad year. They don't have luck. They have injuries, and we and, can't and, afford that, can we? As well. Oh, we can't. You know, we can't. I mean, but you look at Melbourne right now. Melbourne might make the finals this year. They might make top four, but if they don't make the finals. They've played fantastic footy, but it's been a hell of a waste of a season given where they were at with a couple of rounds to go last year. Mind you, as a Melbourne supporter, you'd be really bullish about mm. what you're doing and where you're heading. But when you talk about wasted seasons, they're they're mm. they're sort of absolutely lining up it's, to have one of them now, but if for very different reasons to where we're at. Yeah, it's a very long season, and so and by that I'm saying you expect it on the overall to have a bad year. We don't. We, none of us expected to come anywhere. Other than last, second last, or maybe third last. But as per other seasons, there were pockets within the season where we got some cohesion 
from you know continuity of plays playing in our side, and we'd have those two or three good weeks in a row, or you know a month or two months where we're a bit on and off, and you look back at that and go, that was good. That's what we want to build on. We just haven't had that. And the reason you know the season is a, a long season is that go back what first four rounds, Melbourne were flying, guaranteed top four, according to the entire football world. And Bucks was on the chopping block. Yes. Now, Collingwood are top four. And Melbourne are the ones that are holding on. So it's a long, long year. And just unfortunately, we haven't had that pocket that we normally do in a, in a rebuilding year that we go, shit, this month's been good. Well, our best footy, we haven't won. Mm. And, and you look yeah. at a Brisbane right now who three weeks ago had won one game. They're playing, they're having their purple patch. They're playing good footy and they're winning, which... For a team like that, and a team who's done very similar to what we've done, it actually gives you a lot of hope because you yeah. know when it does click and you do play well, you will get reward for the effort that you've put in. And unfortunately, we just haven't been able to realise that. I did feel, that. I said to someone at work on Monday, I said, I think I'm, maybe I'm going insane, but I'm actually, I was like reassuringly positive. Even despite the results of recent week, there was something about it where I was like, Maybe it was delusion. I'm not sure. But I was like the wheels. <laughs> the, I was like the maybe I was just having a like a an episode. But I was like, I think this the wheel will turn. I think I go. I think I just think it will turn. The talent soon-ish. is there. The talent is there. The system's being put in place. We're going to further replenish. I was saying, and look, this is not. We're, we're going to touch on this properly mm-hmm. later on in the pod, and we'll start to move on through the through the episode. But um. I was, I was talking to Dad and I said, you know, if we get a priority pick that the AFL gives us and we land a free agent. So two, two events that can occur. They're likely, not likely to occur, but there's a real possibility that they could occur. All of a sudden, you bring in a number one pick, potentially a number two pick, and a gun-free agent. You add that to the mix and all of a sudden, you're really not that far. Sammy Dockett is like a new recruit. We love, we love that We phrase. love that phrase. He's like a new Hopefully recruit. Lockie Plowman too because his season last year was great. Oh, he really battled this just, year. We've had injuries and setbacks in the wrong position. Yeah. We trade out Gibbs. Okay, you trade out Gibbs. We all agreed with it. And I think all of us in this room agree with it. But the one person you can't have go down is Mark Murphy the year after you trade Gibbs. And who's been down all year? Mark Murphy. Yep. You know, the one thing that we were going to move on from, you know, the, we built from the back. Okay, now we're kind of at the end of last season, we're like, the back line's fine. We now need to... The forward line, we always kind of thought it will, will develop in time because they're young and young forwards take time. But now it's now we'll start to bring the midfield in. O'Brien, Dow, we, the way we drafted showed you that we wanted to build that midfield. So what we could rely on all of a sudden got decimated. I think that's what's frustrating. So, I touched on it earlier is that the issues we've had at the back have been out of our hands. Yep. The issues we've had at the front for me have been things we should have embraced playing yeah all those and I think McKay, but I, I think guys, I think it's, I think it's one I'm generally still positive and on board with the whole rebuild it's just a Harry Mackay oh it's just that's so it's it seems so thing. odd to, to lump it all on one young kid's mm. shoulders but it just seems like such from the outside looking in it just seems weird mm. just You'd, seems so strange but everything compounded and all of a sudden we've lost Levi for a, for a while and that's a player we can ill afford to to lose from a structure point of view. Yeah, he's a placeholder, but at the well, moment we were at the Gold Coast game, the first, mm. say the first Gold Coast, the only Gold Coast game. Um, and when we, because Cruz didn't play, Cruz got 
didn't play. So he pulled out before the game. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Levi goes into the ruck. And I said to you, I turned around and I said to you, okay, so where, how does that leave us structure-wise? Like, who, who, who's our focal point? Like, Brett Ratton lost Brendan Favola. Mm. And when we started to make a tilt at going deep into finals, we had Satanta playing at centre-half forward. Brett Thornton. Because you had to... And you swung Brett Thornton for. You needed people to play through. People like Jeff, people like Eddie too. Okay, that's where the ball's going. That's the focal point. Mm. Games that football has changed from the mid-2000s to the 90s. But still, the fundamentals of playing to a point, which yeah, is a player. A, a bailout kick to a focus where you yeah. don't have to mark it, but you can't be outmarked. Yep. And then the game then But it's a point of follows. reference for everybody else. There's a moment we, play that, like, we play like a team that doesn't know what the hell is going to happen There's a moment next. that typifies that, and it actually it's vivid. Um, up in Sydney, we played reasonably well that night, I thought, for the most part. We were, we were pretty good on the evening. Uh, Jack Silvani was having an okay night. He was sort of playing a little bit of ball. and His, his kick to someone is inside 50. No, the one that was... But he, he came off half-back at the yep. SCG... And you sort of obviously on the telly, you, you, your view is restricted. He comes off half back, he sort of gathers, breaks the line, looks up, and then there's a split second, and then he gets tackled, it's holding the ball. Mm. And it's like yeah, there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. We've actually done a bit of positive play to get the ball out, get it in a tiny bit of space, nothing there. Yeah. You're going, so you sit there going, what's the rationale yeah. if we get it out? And that's further to your point. There's been a couple times this year where I thought for the first two years of the tenure, Bolton and the coaching panel, I think they were doing some pretty good stuff. There were there were games in which we looked like we were going to get blown away, and they um, they played uh, they they pushed up the flanks up onto the wings. They created outnumbers, you know, at a stoppage. We were winning the ball. We were actually getting ourselves back into games. We were able to kick four or five goals in a row, and actually put ourselves there or thereabouts in the contest. Whereas this year, we haven't been able to do anything like that. No. It's, it's actually like the first two years, like I said, I'd, I'd come away from games going, we're actually able to sort of change the momentum a little bit there and we looked bad, but then we, we moved a few things around and we got mm. back into it. We, we sort of, whereas this year, if, we, if we're out of the game, we're out of the game. Mm. We, d- we battled a score. I think oh. Fabian texted me the other day and I, I kind of said, oh, I'm bullish about uh, one of the games that were coming up and, um, and Fabian's, it was the Brisbane game. Mm. And, and you said, we don't score. No, and and, and, and unfortunately, oh, we get you know like some teams go on right. and haven't kicked a hundred points. Where our our benchmark is like ten goals. Yeah. yeah, ten goals is a good outing right now. Oh, it's, it's bizarre. It's because we don't kick goals in succession. No. Now momentum. If you look at, not don't want anyone to go out and analysing film. Going, oh look, this goals come from this, and then this goal came from that. But generally, you kick a goal, and then you kick another one. Going, it may not be the same play, but fundamentally you've done the same thing and all of a sudden your you team a, you starts route, going you have a route to go you have a way of scoring this is how we're scoring and the opposition are going well bugger me like they can see it unfolding but mm. they can't stop it can't stop it and yeah. when it does stop is when the coach's box has said this is how they're scoring plug reset and go from there we seem to score at the moment on the back of an individual Brilliance, yeah. yeah. Someone does, like Charlie will lead up and take a really nice mark, or yeah. some there'll be an act, an act that is like a circuit breaker that's sort of just out of nowhere, and that's how we get into a position to score. Or yeah. from a, we create a bit of pressure, we win a free kick. Yeah, we yeah. don't score a lot of goals from open play. No, no, no. Um, and, and Zach Fisher is probably one of the very few guys that looks like mm-hmm. he gets the ball and can create something yeah. on his own 
by run and creativity. You need to, and like I said, it's it's it comes back down to this whole: we don't know what we're doing collectively. And if you don't, like I said, if you don't know what, the, what your teammates are doing, then therefore you don't know. It's chaos. It's, it's right. It's it's all every man for himself. It's, it's under fourteens where yeah, see ball, get ball. The team everybody. with the best player wins. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if we can get that bit of co, and this comes at all, it's all interlinked, and that's what is frustrating. We see the issues. Why can't we? We all bemoan what's in front of us. How do we fix it? How do we fix it? But then we kind of calm down and go, well, we can't fix it until we've got A, B, C yeah. in place. And Harry wouldn't have fixed it. We just all wanted to see Harry yeah. get 22 games under his belt or at least tw- well, 15. 15. Yeah. Right? But he's not fixing our issue. No, he's not. But what he does too, and the, frust- the frustrating thing for me is in the really, really, well, not necessarily out of the dark days, but in those particularly dark sort of times, you sit there and think, if you had played Harry, he's a really good PR out for you. He's a really good fit for guys to sit there and go, the coach to sit there and fall back on, we're giving games to this guy and we're putting him in there and we're not expecting him, blah, blah. Eric Hipwood plays every week. Mason Cox is improving, plays every week. Majak Dawes improving, he plays every week. The thing I love about Harry is when I've got mates who aren't Carlton supporters say, he hasn't had a breakout game yet. He hasn't played well yet in the games he's played. And he's still averaging one and a half to two goals a game. Well, he was two up until last weekend and he yeah. went goalless. He looked all right early in the game. He was so a really nice lead up. This guy scores. He's naturally just going to get on the scoreboard. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. when he gets it right, it's like Charlie. Charlie's going to score one or two a week. It feels like we've had a free swing at times and they haven't taken it. Yeah. They've had a free swing to just go, you know what, play them. Mm-hmm. And if we get beat, we get beat. But what's different? Yeah. We just haven't done it. But we'll move on now, Fab. You're going to take us into the past. Yep, between rebuilds. Between rebuilds. So what is effectively our first rebuild? So, the arrival of Mr. Yeah, Judd. well, I'd like to... You set the scene. Well, a frustrating thing for most Carlton supporters is when we hear the nuff-nuffs in the media say that we've been rebuilding for... 20 years. Oh, yeah, 18 years not or something, true. right? You know, Since 95. Uh, it's oh, not just ridiculous. They forget that we played in a grand final after 95, but... Um, Immaterial to them, folks. Yeah, or, or that we were a kick away from a prelim final in 20... 20- 11. It doesn't suit the narrative. Doesn't no, it doesn't suit the narrative. narrative. And it also doesn't suit the narrative to, you know, the teams like Essendon and Brisbane and Melbourne haven't won finals for God knows how long. We've won finals as, as close as five years ago. We won a final. Won a final. Not played a final, made it, shook hands, got belted and went home like Essendon did in their last final they played, which was against who? Um, Us. Was it not? No, no, they played North Melbourne. North they Melbourne rolled like them. last year or the year before, didn't they? Oh, both Sydney them. rolled them, massively killed them last year. I get yeah. what you're saying, that. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, no, no, no. I forgot about last year's one, right? Yep. My point is, these people haven't won finals for ages. We have, yet we've been rebuilding for 18 years. So let's... I just had to get that off my chest. So we're going to focus now between rebuilds. So I count the end of the first rebuild as 2009. So we made okay. finals 2009. So I'm not including the draft of 2009 in this analysis. So in 2008, that was our last rebuild year. And that's when we picked up, you know, Yaron Robertson and got Garland and Jacobs in the in the preseason good, draft. So Good, good uh, haul. So, mm-hmm. That's not a bad haul. But unfortunately, this is where the good story That's stops. where it so, is. 
That's where we. This is at, this is at the point where we forget how to draft. Yeah, we forget so how to we, develop. We've stockpiled. So when people go, Carlton have blown their early draft picks in the past. Um, can't include Mark Murphy, Bryce Gibbs, Matthew Cruz as blown draft picks. Even Josh Kennedy. Josh Kennedy, we traded away then to get Chris Judd. So all our early draft picks we utilised. And not the problem at all. Well, all right. Now. We can agree or disagree on this, but then the other first-round pick that we got in was Jordan Russell, right? Injuries. I think he's. I think cool. he second in a BNF. Yep, behind uh, Jody. I think he. I think at his best, I think he was a confidence player, and I think he was a, a steady AFL footballer. But just um, unfortunately had a few of those confidence type issues and uh, um, didn't end up working. It goes to Collingwood, but look, I, I think that for a pick nine in two thousand and four. He was okay. Yep. yep. So it, my, my point. My point a was graceful pick. My point was, and then Chris Yaron was the other first round pick of the rebuild <clears throat> years, the five years of core rebuilding. Um. So I don't think I don't think the the whole narrative that we we blow our first round picks um, in our core rebuilding years. No, we didn't. Uh, so 2009 draft, we drafted Kane Lucas at 12, Marcus Davies at 43. And Rowan Kerr at fifty nine, and we rookied Zach Tui and Levi Casbolt. Rookie picks, good, good, good. I'll briefly tell the, the I told the Kane Lucas story. I'll briefly tell it again. We'll, yep. we'll, we'll really trim it back. Effectively, uh, our recruiter at the time was uh, Wayne Hughes, and he had told uh, Daniel Talia sometime before the draft, on the eve of the draft, that if he was available at our pick, which was pick eleven, um, which incidentally we did pick receive pick twelve, which we got from uh, Melbourne. Or was that the one we got from Fev? Sorry, we gave up 11 for McLean and we got 12 back from Brisbane, part of the Fev deal. So basically said, if you're still there at our pick, Daniel will take you. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Talia being a Carlton fan, being a Victorian. Being an Italian. Being a member of the Guadagnolo Carlton Academy, um, which is in no way affiliated with the club. And sure. apparently said, fantastic, that's great news. You know, stressful, sorry, stress-free draft night, great. If I'm still there, I'm taken, I'm staying in Victoria, great. On the draft night, we ran an audible. I'm not sure. I have info as to who it was that did that, but I don't want to go with it because it's probably not true. Um, intervened and said, no, we're going to take Lucas. So on the night, they sprung a bit of a surprise and they took Lucas. Adelaide had the very next pick. They swooped on Talia. The rest is history. He would have been a very, very good player for us. Yeah. And the start of this whole era of bad recruiting. You can almost say the moment. Off, got off to a flyer. That's the moment. Mm-hmm. So, that's like if you want to really nail down the moment, that's probably it. So 2010, pick 18, Matthew Watson, pick 34, Paddy McCarthy, pick 42, Luke Mitchell, pick 67. We went tall, didn't we? We went real big. Real big. Andrew McInnes. Poor Andrew. And pick 70, Nick Dygan. That's a good pick. And we rookied Ed Kerner. That's a good pick. Yeah. Yeah, we Look, just that was a, we, that was a compromised draft. And it was one of those drafts that I was worried, and we t- obviously we'll touch on the current rebuild, but when we went Mackay, Kerno, probably even in does, I straight away had Watson, McCarthy, you had a rash. Mitchell. You broke out in a rash. So, <laughs> it's not again. So 2011, my favourite. Oh, no. Josh Bootsmer at 22. Heavily compromised draft. Sam Rowe at 44. Not, yeah. Listen, I'm not... Criticising Sam Rowe and Dylan Buckley at 62. But we only had three picks in that draft. 
Yeah, well, that was the first Malthouse year, wasn't it? So Malthouse's first year, we, we took the... I'm not sure exactly what it was with rookies and the like, but we took and delisted the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Is it three? Is the yeah, minimum? you, you got to have three lists. You've you got to draft three people. I think we, we wouldn't... You, you can delist and redraft as one of your three. You yeah, just have to make those three changes. Three changes. Yeah. I, reckon, I reckon it was the bare minimum that year. Yeah. That was Mick's first year, and he wanted to have a look at everyone and give everyone a chance, and that's what they did. But Nah, 2011 would have been Rats' last year. Oh, maybe you're right. Yep. One of the maybe you're right. Maybe mixed first year we also go. We went three as well. Three as well. Yeah, perfect. I got them mixed up. Yeah, because we thought we were not far we, away. We thought we were we we're on track. So 2012 is Troy Menzel at 11, Tom Tomei at 35, and Nick Graham at 54. Uh, Graham at 54 is okay. Yep, he gives you enough of a return to say you've been satisfied with that. Yeah, he's all right. 2013 at 13 we got Patrick Cripps. Absolute bargain. Uh, Cameron Giles. Giles. <laughs> I was going to say Gillies. And at 51, Nick Holman. So, who's playing He's playing right. okay football. He's, He's playing, playing good right. football. Yeah. And, and he was just a kid who was young and slight and got a few opportunities, but he wasn't ready. And we weren't prepared to persist with him while we were trying to rebuild others. Mm. Um, and, and the best thing for him was go back to the SANFL, mm. find a bit of footy, prove that you can play, take another step forward, and we'd give you another opportunity potentially, and obviously the Bulldogs have beaten us to it. Gold Coast. Gold Coast. You're thinking of Billy I'm, Gowers. I'm thinking Billy Gowers, spot on. So your yep. story still... Absolutely. Yeah, no, That's all right. the same. That's yeah. right. Yep. Um, and 2014, so the last year... Of the Presos era. Yeah. Blaine Bokehurst at 19. No Pick 28, Skittles. Yeah, Dylan, Dylan Viojo Rainbow, who I liked. Should we... I liked the look of him. I, I always thought he'd be a player, and this is why every player needs to be given at least two or three games of senior footy. Moonlight Graham, I've explained Moonlight because Graham to you. <laughs> he, I potentially, is a better player with... Like his talents come out when there's better players around him. Can we use- in his last year, which if I go to my 2016, at the start of 2016, he actually had not a bad little run in the VFL, and I thought that was his window. We didn't give him a shot, and it, maybe he was a bit disheartened. Yep. As the season wore on, papers are stamped. I thought we should have given him a look early on in that year. We didn't. He's gone. Went back to Port Melbourne. I think he had not a bad year for Port last year. Um. Yes, it's a shame, and that, but that typifies our our unwillingness to actually back our recruiting Absolutely. to develop yeah. players that come in the door. It's it's a bit of a slight on us, um, and and one that we seem to be rectifying slowly. Yep, but with no great certainty. Pick sixty, Clem Smith, who debuted round one. He did debut sure. round one. Yeah, yeah, and at sixty three, Jaden. Foster. The elephant in the room there was, of course, and uh, Timmer's opinion about this was Blaine Bokhorst at 19 was it, very, very, very premature. Well, I, I think we'd... There was even articles on our own website uh, that was talking about how we were interested in him, um, and you just can't show your draft hand. Um, and, and I think what makes the story worse is we originally had pick seven... But we had always been interested in Christian Jacksh and we tried to get him in the trade period the previous year. Hadn't been able to do it because he was still contracted and I think GWS were wanting too much. 
in the end, we traded our pick seven for Jacksh. We so got. If they wanted too much, what were we? What did they want the year before? <laughs> Fair question. We gave them seven. Seven for Jacksh, Mark Wiley, uh, who was one of the zone selections for GWS, and he was a good reserves footballer, yeah. but it was worth the roll of the dice. And we got pick 19 coming back the other way. And then at pick 19, I think Dodoro at Essendon had gotten wind of the fact that we were interested. He made a few noises saying that they liked him and it almost dared, our, our, yeah, almost dared our recruiting officers to be able to take Boakhurst then. But look... If we rated him the tenth best player in the draft, and he was mm. the first one on the um, the first one on a list, yeah. uh, we probably owe it, owe it to ourselves to back our judgment in and take him. And, so, and you've made the point too that, and this is really important on on is as much as knowing the pool and sitting there going, will he be there? We had twenty eight. Yeah. Will he be there nine picks later? Well, put it this way: if look, he, he probably would probably have been. would have been. But as you say, I mean, if if you back it in, if yeah. you if you. And if your whole recruiting team loves him mm. and you're going, we want this guy, if if you end up being right, whether you took him at 19 or you took him at 28, when it works out, you go, yeah. how good are we? Agree. And and every pick you take, there's a risk. Oh, spot on. You Speculative, know, the whole the, thing. The pick seven we gave away, GWS drafted Paul Hearn. Yeah. He's since done two ACLs. Yeah. He's waited three and four years to debut. North Melbourne very shrewdly have given, a, 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 I think at the time it was a future fourth-round draft pick, to be able to bring him in, they waited a whole year for him to be to re- rehabilitate. He didn't debut this year until at least halfway through the season. He stepped into senior AFL footy and he looks, looks bloody good. good. Looks, thing. looks good. Yeah. And you can't help but think, geez, I think imagine we were if interested this kid... in Ahern at one point. Say again? I think we were interested in Ahern. There was talk. But well, that didn't happen, doesn't get done, whatever. It's one of those things. But yeah, he, no, he, looks, he looks all right. He looks yeah. all right. Yep. And, and you just wonder if he'd never done a knee. And he'd played straight away. Mm-hmm. You know, GWS might have won a couple of flags by now. Yeah. So to summarise, so now we start the, the, the Silvani draft. And what you're establishing through all this is is why we are where we are is because there yeah. is a hole. A when we were a hole, decent finals team, we our, needed our to drafting, consolidate. Our drafting, recruiting, development. And player development. But right now I'm focusing purely on drafting, mm-hmm. right? Now, we'll touch on recruiting in a moment, but so that we had 21 picks in the national draft between 2009 and 2015. 21 picks in the national draft, of which Sam Rowe, who was pick 44 in 2011, Nick Graham, pick 54 in 2012, and Patrick Cripps, pick 13 in 2013, are the only three players left on our list. It's diabolical. So three out of 21 is a hit rate of 14%. Even more worrying, do you have the, I don't mean to put you on the spot, how many of the other players are still in the league? Other players who we drafted in the national draft. Yeah, they're okay. still in the competition. Dylan Buckley at GWS. Probably be delisted this year. Nick Holman at Gold Coast. He's going okay. And Zach Tui at Geelong. He's going okay. So there's six out of 21 that are yep. still playing league football, three of which for us. Yep. That's, that's all you need to know. Yep. From those drafts. so I mean, that's just... And the remaining rookies that we have on our list, uh, Ed Kerno, Levi Casbolt, and Kieran Byrne. So three players. Yeah, and they're not bad. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. Especially for a rookie pick. Yep. So Investment. then we can touch on... I don't think our trading necessarily was too bad. Like, we took a stab on Christian... I'll call him Jax. Yaksh. All right. Um, he hasn't turned out, but I think what we gave up and what we returned back, I think 19 we could have used it better so it wasn't an overall bad deal um, being kind man 
Brock McLean. Brock McLean was a better deal than Jax. Yeah, I'm, I'm going through, I'm saying our trading wasn't necessarily that bad. So we had Brock McLean was someone else we brought in. Um, Rob Warnock. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, well, he was only, what, 20, pick 20-something, 20 yep. 24? So what I'm saying 20s? is it, it, we didn't necessarily make bad trading decisions, right? Although, you know, Jax wasn't great, but it's, I reckon, our, our drafting... We had a lot of faith that and whether, player development was whether they be bought in on draft night or by a trade. We seem to have a lot of faith that they'll just work themselves out. They'll just sort it out themselves. It felt like that. That there wasn't a lot of. You look at a team like a Hawthorne's a really good example about it. They've got no issue putting you in the twos, yeah, and letting you develop. Spending that we seem to be doing a little bit of that this year. We mentioned to Conning, just saying you're going to play. 40 games, it's like an old school mentality. You're going to play 40 or 50 games of VFL football and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. So long as you're developing and you're learning, uh, we've got a sound game plan both at senior level and reserves level. This is the way we're going to go about it. This is the way that you're going to be assessed. Mm. And and, and you do a lot of that one-on-one line coaching discussions to be able to say this is where your footy is at. You're tracking in the right direction. I think there's a lot to be said about being blooded, and I think you oh, talked yeah. about you know um, not having kids disheartened. I, I think you've got to give them a sniff. Um, last year there was the classic example of Cam Polson was given a shot when we travelled to Port Adelaide, yeah, yeah. hurt his shoulder, we got decimated. Uh, he was showing that he probably wasn't ready, but he'd had 30 possessions and kicked a couple of goals the week before in the two. So, you know, you deserve your shot, yeah. and and you got to roll the dice every now and again, and. Having had that experience, he probably had a better pre-season this year just gone yep. as a result of it. And I think that's what it's all about. When you go in and you stand next to Ollie Wines and you're going, holy Christ, this kid's massive and he's only two years older than me or whatever the, the metrics are, you sit there and you're going, I've got some work to do. Yep. Mm, definitely. So just to finalise what I'm saying now, I said trading wasn't that bad. I was more referring to trading out of picks to bring in talent. Where our trading wasn't so great, it was the, uh, we lost Eddie Betts, um, effectively for Dale Thomas. Well, it was, yeah. Yeah, look, I want to be... Mick didn't want to pay 450000 or whatever it was. I didn't either. 600 It was 600 For a forward pocket. I didn't either. He wasn't worth it. No, and we had Garlett and Yaron at the time. Okay. It was absolutely the right call at the time. Yeah. It's just the opportunity cost of what we got back coming we then the other trade, way didn't get us a return. We yeah. then trade Jeff and Mitch Robinson out of the club for not much. Yeah, but they, they'd had social yeah, indiscretions. Yeah, they had a few issues off the field. And it was, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, I think it was uh, keeping them in the system. It was a cultural system. decision. It was keeping them in the system as well so rather than was, cutting them. Should Geelong have made a cultural decision on Steve Johnson in 2006? Well, he had much more talent than those two players. Oh, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying Jeff Garlitz is. I love Jeff. Mitch, those two guys played some really, Mate, really were, terrific footy for us. When you're looking at our list and you're going, we're not that great. We can't afford to be giving away Jeff Garlitz and I just got an email. Um, can't be, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, Tony. Thanks for the support. It's my dad. Do your tips. Um, there's no game on tonight, is there? No. Um, we can't afford to give away Jeff Garlitz and Mitch Robinson. For nothing. I'll counter that. With Jeff, Jeff was a, like definitely a. We lost Jared Waite, which I think team. we all agreed with. I think what we offered him was what a he pittance. was worth. Yep. Right? You know, he wanted a longer contract. His body. And I think we wanted a tiny bit of loyalty returned. Yes. We backed him through a lot of years of being injured, not 
giving yeah. us what we need him because of injury. Yeah. And he... And I don't blame him in the sense of wanting... If he backed himself, I think we offered him... Was it one plus one? I think we just offered him one. I thought it was like one with a trigger. Yeah. Whereas North offered him at least two. Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe three. Yeah. But he obviously wanted the security. And I don't blame him in it in the sense of wanting the security. But if he backed himself to complete those years, he would have got the second year. Not C- a problem. Cade Simpson signs a one-year contract. Sean Burgoyne signs a one-year contract. Granted, these two... Their body string games yeah. together, left, right, and centre. He center, knew his so. body is, was shot. So well, he, he was, was gambling. He and was we, gambling, and, and he was cashing in. And we and were hoping as well, which has ultimately proved folly. We were hoping to get a bit of compo. Yeah, absolutely. Which we didn't get. We didn't. We've, we didn't, we've had this. We've had this discussion. The AFL. It's not that we didn't get good compo. No. Players leave your none. club. That's right. When players leave your club, they can't be worth nothing. Now, I don't like the compensation. No, I don't like the guy. No, I think no. you lose a player, bad luck. You got salary cap space, right? But how is every other player in the competition worth something, yet Jared Waite is worth nothing? I'm not saying give us a second round or third round or fourth round. Go, hey, Blues, here's a seventh round upgrade. He's something. He's pick what? 197. At least you say, guess what? They've rated Jared Waite as something. Well, we, we've just very recently traded pick 135 for Reese Palmer. So... Mm. Every player mm. has a value. And as you say, if we got pick 135 in return for Jared White, it's well, something. then at least you can do something with it. He becomes, because the reality is he goes, it creates a spot on your list. You yeah. will draft somebody back in yeah. and you can say Jared White became, you know, whoever. Whoever. So it, you, le- uh, it leaves us with a list at the end of 2014 that is arguably one of the worst lists the AFL have ever seen. You know what it is? It's not only to that extent, we saw it in the late 90s, early 2000s, it's that the talent that we do have is all in one spot. Yep. There is absolutely nothing underneath it. Yep. Zero. Uh, but for, you know, you can make the case of Paddy Cripps is, is it. And even at that point in time, we couldn't have foreseen him becoming the player that he has. But the position of the list that Stephen Silvani inherited... I don't think people until maybe this year have given it Fabian called into SEN and, and raised the point a couple of weeks back. I don't think people quite realised just how bad it was, just how little there was to work with. And yeah. I'm going to cut Sauce some slack when I'm, I'm going to sort of touch on what he's done taking on the, the, the role of the present. In looking at guys, that they're not that they're bad players, but did we see them at their best? Did we see them at their ceiling? And I could make a pretty strong case. Mitch Robinson, did we see him at his ceiling? Yes. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Played some good footy for us. Jeffy, played some good footy for us. Those guys, we're going to mention Tui and Hendo and these guys, played some great footy for us. Jared Waite, great footy for us. With the exception of maybe like a Bryce Gibbs. Um, Yaz, you could possibly make a case for, due to obviously mitigating circumstances. But a lot of the guys we moved out were guys that played or had their prime when we had our prime run. Couldn't get us past the semi-final. Is oh. that the is that the ceiling? Hendo and Zach Tui wouldn't put that on that. List. Oh, I, I think that I'm going to be harsh. I think the proof's in the pudding. I think them playing at Geelong. Where, where what have Geelong gotten to with him? Them in the team. Tui's played good footy. Not so. He has absolutely. Henderson, he has. Hasn't, Henderson hasn't played footy. Lockie Henderson is right now one of the greater wastes of talent of the last ten years of football. <laughs> and, and I love Lockie Henderson. We got it. I, I used to. Oh, yeah, I um, used to as well. He had a lot of talent, and he. We had, got a first round pick for him, so we got Harry Mackay for him. So, 
And, and, and right now, you give me the choice between Lockie Henderson and Harry Mackay, it's Harry Mackay every single day of the week mm. and twice on Sundays. I don't disagree. We're going to transfer, going to go into the present. So that's, yeah, I think we're going to move into the present. I just but, want to say that, and I went through and I looked at Hawthorne's list pre, pre-rebuild, pre so b- before the, the Buddy and Ruffhead and Lewis draft, and we were talking a few weeks back, maybe even in the other Carlton special we did, that the whole priority pick system is what teams built off. It's what St Kilda built off. It's what Hawthorne built off. But I had a look. Hawthorne got priority picks the year after as well mm, when they drafted good. the Bows. Bo you know, Dowler Bo Mustin. Bo Mustin. Bo, Bo uh, Mitch Thorpe? They were all thought was six in the uh, Gibbs draft. I, think, I, I thought we should have. At one point in time, I thought we should have maybe given him a look. But apparently he's uh, a bit of a dick. When he went back to Tassie, is this the one? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we did look at him. Yeah, yeah I yeah. thought for nothing, like we were talking about earlier, you give up a, like we did with Jared Garlett this year, and we've done it with a few different guys, and Nick Dygan, a lot of teams yeah. do it, but just as a our last pick in the in the draft, if you don't work out, you don't work out. Well, he was coaching his uh, TFL team mm. at the age of 25 or something like that, or whatever age he was, and you thought, well, here's a guy, he's, he's now married, he's got kids, he understands responsibility. It's on the straight and narrow. Yeah, and you just sort of thought, look, you, you throw an opportunity to a guy who clearly knows what he's doing. He'd had injury issues. I think he had a really bad wrist mm. uh, at one point as well. Um, but, yeah, you give a kid like that an opportunity, well, you might find a footballer. And, and if you and, don't. And if you don't, who, at that point, who cares? Who gives? Yeah. So, but like I said, I think that just illustrates the point of why we are where we are. Mm. So I'm oh, just saying, I've had a look at those other lists. Yeah. I had a look at the the Hawthorne list. I had a look at the Melbourne list. And they had more talent on those lists at the start of their rebuild, which I know, Melbourne's yeah, been going did. on for about 10 years. Talk about a Melbourne's rebuild. Melbourne's has been going on longer than ours. All right. They had more talent to start with. So, Mick's, Mick's, yeah. come in, Mick's come in with a whole crop of bad drafting and recruiting. I'm not blaming Mick for that. But Mick's basically gone, I don't need... A, B, C, D, and E, who were our best players at the time. Yeah, he alienated a few people, didn't yeah. he? So add what Mick did to our recruiting and player development, and we are left with a list that is... Rock bottom. Bereft. So, Absolute rock bottom. So that leads us to the present, which I'm going to take control of. But, I mean, we're going to touch on now just at, at how we are, where we are is what Fab's touched on. We're going to broach what's happening in the now um, I'm going to have a little bit of a look at off the field as well as on it. We're going to keep the drafting theme or the list management theme, and, and Tim will obviously, as well as uh, Fab, will chime in on a few here. So picking up from Sauce's first year in the job, he came on board, I think it was part the way through 2015, and obviously his first full crack at it was come the, the 2015 draft. Um, just 12 players are still on our list from when Stephen Silvani took over. Wow. 12. So Mark Murphy, Kate Simpson, Matthew Cruiser, Patrick Cripps, Liam Jones, Sam Doherty, Sam Rowe, Nick Graham, Ed Kerno, Kieran Byrne, Dale Thomas, and Levi Caswell. They're the only 12. Um, at the end of that season, we lost Judd and Carrazzo, uh, both retired, and uh, Robbie Warnock, sort of a little bit of both, I suppose. He was delisted but retired. Um, of the 34 players that have been moved off our list since, like you mentioned there, we've got Gibbs, Buckley, Holman, Henderson, Gowers, and Tui are the only six still on an AFL list. And that doesn't include, in that group as well, that 34, that doesn't include guys like Sumner, Gallucci, Gorringe, Smets, Korchek, and Palmer. So Sauce has gutted the joint because, as we've established, there was nothing there. Nothing there. There yeah. was nothing there. There was no quality. 
what the main and thing that, had that to has do. highlighted it even better than what I was. I was I didn't know it was that bad. That's how bad it is. And then his his first job, his first task was recognizing we were terrible. Yeah. You know, Tim mentioned in our first chat uh, with the the the, um, the the drought draft, our salary cap was in disarray. So that was the first thing to overcome. That was the first we had to manage all of that. So what we did and what he had to do was recognize or find tradable commodities that we had that we could leverage. We didn't have much. That's what I mean. We didn't have much. So what he had to do was look at players, what's an asset we can trade to bring in picks to either lower our age profile, which we're still trying to do, or improve our situation. So you look at it pretty basically. Um, Henderson went to Geelong. Uh, He would effectively become Harry Mackay, as Tim mentioned earlier. Tom Bell went to Brisbane, and with a move of a few picks around, we gave the Bulldogs um, two lower-end second-round draft picks. So it was our second-round draft pick and the pick for Bell. Spot on, and they became pick 12 or whatever it was, which became Charlie Curnow. So that's an absolute win. That's just ridiculous. And the two Bulldogs picks became Josh Dunkley and Kieran Collins. Yeah, it's not bad. Oh, Col- Dunkley, good. Yep. Um, Collins is probably well, Collins looked like a man playing, like playing schoolboy football. Wow. So it was, yeah. Um, um, but he's still got a bit of time. Obviously, we don't yep, know the ins yep. and outs he's of him. He's a key position player, and we'll probably talk about that. You know, we've got key position players yeah. that we're waiting on a little Spot bit on. too. So, yep. And it, it feels a long time ago, but it's really not in the lifespan of an AFL player. Um, Chris Yaron, shed a tear for Chris, dearly departed. For pick 19, that became David Cunningham, who I've got a little bit of time for, David. So we, we, we need to give him a bit more of an opportunity. I think he's a player that needs the confidence of continuity in games. You need the confidence of the, of the coaching staff to yeah. say, take him on, back he yourself. He showed a few things. Back yourself, and if you stuff up, do not worry. He played We're, at half back one of the games early this year, and he looked okay. He breaks lines. Against Geelong, we kicked that team goal where Paddy yeah, Dow, Paddy Dow, I think, smothered twice. Yeah. yeah. And there was a succession of handballs on the turnover that we've created, and Cunningham ends up with it, and he takes a flying shot from 60, yeah. Yeah. and it bounces through. through. And you actually sit there and you go, that's almost the best goal we've kicked all season. It's a good moment, and it's a moment that you want him to take something out of. You want, you know, we spoke about Jordan Russell. Just own the moment, I think, is a story. Oh, we spoke about Jordan Russell. And for me, Cunningham's a little bit like that in that you belong at this level, believe you belong, Mm. and you will. Yeah. Yeah. Know that you're here. You're not here. You're not out of place. You're not the odd man out. So hopefully, David, he's a guy, I think he re-signed maybe earlier in the year, but we've got him for a couple more years at least, which is good. Um. So Cunningham then, uh, Menzel goes to Adelaide for Kerridge and pick 28. 28 goes to GWS for Plowman, Sumner, Phillips and Lamb. Um, and there's a bit of a swap there for uh, pick eight. It's, it's a, once again a really convoluted, weird sort of thing that uh, it's, it's sort of hard to describe. There's so much shuffling of picks. But the net gain of that is we end up with uh, pick one, which we had, um, pick 10. Oh, sorry, pick eight, which became 10. Yep. And that was through academy, oh, ma- matching academy picks. Pushed down. Yep. Kerno at 12 or 13, whatever it ended up being. Cunningham came in at 19. We got the, the glut of GWS boys that came in the door. Of course, the prize in that lot was Lockie Plowman, was the one that we really wanted out of that group. Um, we got Jack, 53. And Jack came in a little yeah. bit later on. So that's, yeah. that's a pretty good draft. It's a great draft. That's a really good so, draft. And I think what people need to understand is with the Plowman thing, can you just go through that Plowman trade Again, so we got it's it's there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. So Menzel goes to Adelaide. Yep. Carriage comes in with pick twenty eight. Yep. Twenty eight goes to GWS, 
as well as there's this weird caveat where pick eight is somehow involved. It's bizarre. And we end up getting the four GWS boys. Um, maybe it's a swap of the Henderson. I'm not exactly sure, but pick eight's involved somehow. It's it's odd. But, but Plowman's coming along with that. Yeah, and that's the uh, one we So want. essentially, and we were talking about this, there's no system in the AFL where you take four players from a club and can't give them anything, nothing in return. Mm. What a lot of people don't understand, you know, and you've got, I'm not calling people simple or, you know, but the wider football community don't understand the whole GWS have to cut a list that was, what, 10% greater than every other list or maybe even a bit more. And they were, over a couple of years, had to shed that, that list number and their cap back down to what everyone else was. So in us trying to get Lockie Plowman, GWS have basically told us not that we've yes we've gone and tried to get the other three blokes but it was more of a them saying take them <coughs> Tim's dying um, take those players basically take on their salary caps take the, those list positions away from us and we will allow you so yeah. it's people there's this misconceived notion that we, we went and we just took a gamble on four blokes we had to take those four. to get plan we had to take them all GWS had an inflated list number. Yeah. yeah. So whatever the numbers worked out to be, most most sides have 38 on your primary senior list and you can have up now have up to nine rookies. But within that nine rookies, you can elect to have up to 40 senior list players. But by adding two more senior list players, you have two fewer rookies. rookies yeah. And one thing that Silvani's doing at the moment, because we're obviously needing to pay 95% of our salary cap, is we are running with 40 senior listed players every single year. Um, we'll touch on this, my yeah. my railing against the draft yeah. and the salary cap. But sorry, just to clarify, we got uh, a 2016 first round pick for Henderson, which we flipped for a 2015 first rounder. So GWS got our Henderson pick. We got their first pick, which was eight, yeah. which became Mackay. <coughs> so that, look, that's that's a really strong draft. That's a really really strong draft, and hopefully holds us in really good stead um, for a long long time. And like we said earlier, a number of those senior boys we mentioned played good footy for us. Yep. But ultimately, are they going to take us to the next level? No. Are they capable of doing? It? No, they weren't. Um, but they're, they're, and that doesn't preclude them from playing good footy going on. But the intention of them, so. I think we, I'm not trying to defend Soss here, but his intention was bring in Plowman. Hopefully, the others become something. Just play a role for or short plug time. a hole in the VFL, yeah. or you know, be a a, a, a fit in the club that well, be allows better, us. Yeah. Be better than these are the guys. So in terms that Soss delisted in 2015 were Matthew Watson, Giles, Blaine Johnson, Fraser Russell, Warnock, like we said, sort of retired delisted. Uh, Nick Holman, um, Brad Walsh, and Tom Fields. So you can make a case that all those guys are upgrades. Yeah. They're not like the likes, but they're upgrades mm. in terms of what they're going to be able to give us. And and we all discussed this. Soss came in and he did an interview, and I, can, I can't find it for the live. I can't remember where it was on. But effectively, a list manager doesn't improve players 1 to 10 on the list. Mm. You can't always just draft, oh, he's going to be the fourth best player at our club or the best player at our club. You've got to take a whole-of-list approach. Yeah. So if you can improve players... 36 to 40, you do it. doesn't mean there's 36 to 40. You're going to win you a flag. So Take that call. <laughs> um, and then obviously moving on to 2016, 
What is happening, Fab? I don't know. Phone is ringing. Do you want me to hang that up? Missed call. Uh, so moving on to 2016 was the second year. So um, into the draft or via the draft in comes Petrovsky Seaton, pick six. Like, uh, like Samo. Uh, Zach Fisher, pick 27. Uh, McCready at pick 47, which was an academy bid that GWS didn't match. There could have been some machinations behind the scenes as to how that all went down. Um, Paulson at 59. Tom Williamson at 61. Paddy Kerr at 65, which isn't bad. Uh, in via trade came Marchbank, Pickett, Palmer, Smets. Uh, and we took Alex Silvani in a rookie draft, Kim Lebois, or Lebois. Lebois. It should, it should be Lebois, it's French. It's Lebois. Uh, comes in via the rookie draft. Um, we lost Walker and Jamison, uh, retired Cameron Wood. Um, and then look, a number of guys, that the cuts, you know, Zach Tui went out for what became Marchbank, um, which I think's a yep. very sound move. Great trading. Um, Billy Gowers was delisted. We probably should have given him a crack. We spoke earlier about a few of the guys that we just didn't give goes to. Um, Rainbow was one of them. I think Gowers was the other. Uh, we, we really should have owed it to ourselves to give him a better go, but both Gowers and Rainbow are delisted with Mark Wiley, Jason Tutt, Everett Smith, Foster, and Matty Dick. Where are we? So that's, they're, they're pretty straightforward cuts, aren't they, really? Yeah. Jason Tutt was a softball player. He was literally, he represented Australia as a softball player. Yeah. I thought that was a slight against him. It's actually a pat on the back. Well, he obviously had some athletic ability, but wow. Could see a ball. Yeah. Um, so hold on. I'm, I know this is make, I'm making this a bit of a, a theme of mine. So just take me through what we went and got from the GWS in that off-season, Sean. In that particular off-season yep. was uh, Pickett. So Jared Pickett was like, he was packaged with Marchbank. Yep. Um, and there's once again, a sort of a, a trade of picks, but... Um, the back-end pick, effectively, we gave Yeah, up. And, and Marchbank was the Tui pick, mm-hmm. uh, which we also traded our second rounder to Geelong. Tui goes out the door, Marchbank comes in, the pick goes to GWS. Yep. We get Pickett, Marchbank, yep. and so once again, a further trade of picks later Pickett on. Pickett Marchbank, is anyone else? Are we And we got... Uh, Palmer. But which what we had to we had to do. Again, a lot of people don't dumb. understand. We had to take on his list position and salary. In order for it's basically a favour for we'll, us and we will, we, yeah, we'll give you, we'll give you the players that you're really after, which is Marchbank yeah. and Pickett. But you are taking this bloke, and we thought, well, see, we, well we've got a, to pay a big the body, a big body that we have to pay. We have to pay the cap. Yep, it's a big body that will play VFL football, protect the kids. Blah blah blah. He was never a player that we want to move forward with, anyhow. So Pickett and Marchbank are the ones. I'm trying to get a point here where people go. We keep. The GWS experiment has failed. They're, we wanted Plowman. They're short terms. A lot of them are short term no, guys. What we wanted from them is which Plowman, we which we got. We had to take the rest. Marchbank. Yep. All right. Marchbank we wanted. And when people say, oh, the only good play that you got out of those package deals is Marchbank, they just don't understand. We actually gave up a first round pick for Marchbank because we knew he was good. Yep. Yep. They knew he was good. Yep. And Pickett, we actually we wanted him as well because... He unfortunately went through a whole list of injuries yeah. whilst at GWS, but he was an early pick, pick, pick three four, or four, pick yeah. three. Yeah, so a lot of time for Jared. And I think Sauce didn't want to necessarily defend anyone specifically the other night for no. justified, but he made it a point of saying, "I think Jared Pickett for Jared Pickett." Yeah, they said the list of the players who were just sort of list cloggers, and yeah. he said, "Yeah, yeah he'd basically yeah. rip Jared." Pick it off that list. Yeah, remove so, him, please. You can keep the others on that list. <laughs> Jared, pick it off that list. Um, and then from, from that draft, though, I think this is the thing that maybe gets missed. I think that there are five, possibly six players that we get in that draft and trade period who I consider 
notionally might be in our best 22 for the next couple of years, hopefully many more. Yep. Petrovsky, Seaton, Fisher, Williamson, Marchbank, and Pickett. And you could make a case that uh, development pending someone like a McCready or a Paddy Kerr uh, could also be there or thereabouts. Yeah. Um, so that once again, I think that's a pretty that's as strong as we need that draft to be. Yeah. Yep. You get five guys that are going to be in our best twenty-two. Yep. Um, is pretty good. Twenty seventeen, Sauce's last or uh, most recent year, um, the Inns, Paddy Dow pick three, Lockie O'Brien at ten, Tom DeConning at thirty. Angus Schumacher, 70. Jared Garlett, 78. A little bit like the pick we spoke about earlier, which is that speculative, what do you got to lose pick, uh, which makes perfect sense. Um, Cameron O'Shea came in via the preseason draft. Matt Shaw via the rookie draft. Uh, Killian or Killian McDade? Oh, I understand it to be Killian, but... Uh, International rookie, so he's got a bit of time. Uh, Aaron Mullett's a free agent. And then the trades in were Lang, Kennedy, and Matthew Lobby or Lobb? I've heard it said every uh, which way. I think way. it's actually Loby, but yeah. I've heard it every which way. So it's effectively... Rory Lobb, Cameron Loby. Matthew Loby. Matthew Loby. <laughs> Cameron <laughs> Gillies. <laughs> and then obviously the big one last year was Bryce Gibbs. So effectively Bryce Gibbs became DeConning, Kennedy and um, O'Brien. Yep. Given moving and picks and that which we got and moved around. It's once again very convoluted. Uh, and then um, Darcy Lang, like we said, was like a trade of fourth round picks. Yeah, it was. It so was it's a, like a, yeah. a, a pretty good, I think, yeah. on the value of that. And, and he's had an interrupted preseason. I think he's better than what he's shown thus far. Yeah, I'm not judging him. Yeah, he, I'm, he I'm, I'm, disappointed. I'm disappointed. Yeah, I've been disappointed to date, but I'm not yeah, throwing. I'm not gonna, yeah. He's got too much talent yeah. to not give him the full opportunity to understand where he was yeah. at. And, and I think of most importance is we wanted Darcy Lang when we got Billy Smets. Yeah. And we agitated for him. And I think either he didn't want to come at the time or Geelong didn't want to give him up. We took Smets. He did what he did throughout the season. And then the next year, we've had the opportunity to be able to add another uh, middle band player who's in the right age group that we're looking for, former first-round draft pick. So somebody that we've rated and said, you're not getting a game at Geelong. You'll get an opportunity here. And again, you know, the injuries that he had pre-season has put paid to his I think uh, chance. I think he'll be a lot better this time next year. Hopefully. Assuming he can get a run at it. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. Um, and then obviously the outs, like we said, I mean, not a, we're, we're starting to cut deep here. And it's you're sort of sitting there going, this is almost the last of that, the remnants of the team that was going nowhere yep. and the list that was just derelict. Yep. Uh, Dennis Arnfield is a great servant of the footy club. Yep. He retires. Did um, he want to retire? <sighs> touch and go, probably. I don't my, know, my point t- being, touch and go. in the first two... Uh, trade periods or drafting of sauces done the third year I'm not saying it, I haven't not by any stretch saying it's been bad but with the mullet O'Shea I'm going to touch on these two but things like Dennis could you have kept Dennis I think maybe it was Dennis's body perhaps yeah perhaps just a bit yep. battered but look he was a great servant for us and ends yep. up playing right. who else was over that? sorry I no, that's right uh, Daniel Gorringe retire slash delisted yeah. Matt Korchek uh, retired slash delisted slash gone home slash gone home back to Arizona uh, Jax Sumner Gallucci Dylan Buckley Kieran Sheehan shame for Kieran Sheehan he just couldn't get his body right yep uh, Reese Palmer Blaine Bokhorst Billy Smets Simon White which is a bit of a surprise we Simon probably White. could have done with yep. Simon White this year they yep. maybe cut him one year too soon given Especially what has transpired and given that he is he's well connected at the club, like he's, yeah, he's like got a, much liked guy. Yeah, but so. uh, that was one where probably we were a year premature given what has happened. Yeah, but we weren't to know that. Uh, and obviously, like we said, Gibbs is the one that goes out. But I just want to make a point. 
Mullet and O'Shea and even a guy like Matt Shaw come in, uh, they weren't recruited to play the number of footy, the number of games no. they played. They were not no. recruited to be as regular. They were recruited to be understudies or backups, should I say, for Byrne, Williamson, Doherty. Mm. Cam O'Shea... And was, even Marchmate to an extent. Cam O'Shea was literally... He was our VFL best and fairest had a very the year good before. Year. Very good year. Had a very good year. And Lead, it was... the team. It was, if things hit the shit, yeah. you can come in... So basically, you keep doing what you're doing. You're playing yeah. VFL. You're, you're a leader at the VFL level. There's some depth for us. But if things turn to shit, you can play actually. You can play senior footy at Carlton. But yeah. due to injury, that was the plan. He, he was the VFL equivalent of Luke Hodge. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. I don't want to sit here and circle jerk each other. He played round one. Did he not? I'm pretty sure he did. All right. So were we that bereft of? players at round one that he got a game. Maybe they figured against the reigning Premier, a bit of experience. He's played AFL footy. You know, mm. we don't want to chuck too many guys in. But If he's playing now, I understand it. But I think I, he played a lot of fr- footy in the front end of the year in which... I understand. No, but he probably had a great pre-season. You know, it, mm. every single year when uh, Ratton and Malthouse were involved, there was two or three guys in a number of the campaigns where they'd obviously just had a massive pre-season... They deserved every opportunity. They got in. They played. They were just getting it done, if at all, and, and not naming names or anything else like that. And then eventually, there were probably better players on a shorter preparation that their ability just went past the next guy. Yeah. But I think the fact that you you got to dangle the carrot, and it's the same way Hawthorne's recruitment in the last 10 years, they often picked a kid out of Box Hill Hawks. Mm-hmm. So it basically meant you could attract guys to the Box Hill Hawks play in your system, play under your coaches, see what they're doing, and then you recruit them and they already know what they're doing. And and if more of the good young kids that didn't get drafted uh, come through um, come through your feeder program, um, you, you you get to cast the net that little bit wider. Yeah. And that can't be a bad thing. Not at all, not at all, not at all. So, I mean, look, that's that's a bit of the what, what Sauce has been able to manage. And I think on paper, I like it. I like what he's done. I like what he's built over the last little while. We were coming from so far back that it, it, it's it's just ridiculous to to say that it's a failure or it's going to be a failure at this point in time. Um, I think that we're I think we're heading the right way. If we're not heading the right way, we're facing the right direction, without doubt. And and, 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 and I think most people that talk about development, you talk about um, guys that need 40, 50, 60 yeah. games of experience, and only then. When you're on the field, does the pace slow down? You're able yeah. to make decisions. You feel like you belong. You've had three, four pre-seasons under your belt. You're ready to compete. Um, the only guy who probably ticks that box right now is possibly Jacob Wiedering. Mm-hmm. And Jacob's probably had a tough season with his body, yeah. um, potentially his, um, his confidence. Um but he I'm, seems to be most affected by that cohesion and continuity we're talking about, where the guys he would have been planning to be playing alongside he's not. are not there. Yep. And he's sitting there going, these guys are meant to be taking Therefore, he's her. moving positions yeah. an awful lot. Yeah. Yep. So I love it when people write him off, though. It's hilarious. Oh, oh it's brilliant. At their absolute peril. Because at his in his first season, and the centre-half back that can read the play, that knows where it's going, who's got the confidence to fly for his marks who, when he gets it, he's athletic enough to be able to run off, can hit targets. He's a dangerous, dangerous footballer. Good user of the ball. Yeah, yeah. and so you sit there and you're going, if you want to wipe Jacob Wiedering, yeah, 
absolutely do it at your peril because when he does come back later on and he's good to go, geez, there's going to be a few people that are going, yeah, we might have gone a bit hard. That's what we are, though. We're, we're that knee-jerk industry, aren't we? But oh, totally. I'm totally. going to take a little bit of a diversion now off on-field. And we're just going to run the rule over some off-field stuff. You're not going to say hello to Alex? Yeah, Alex is in the room. Hello, He's a trader. He's a trader. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to take a bit of a broader look. So I'm going to touch on a few key points. And, and I want to stress from the outset that a lot of this stuff, even if I don't necessarily think it's going well or as well as it could be going, they're trying. They really are. They're giving it a, a really good effort down there. Not everything's working, but they are trying to do the right <coughs> thing. So first things first, we've got some sponsorship. Now... It's hard to properly gauge without figures, without you know financial returns, but we certainly seem to be far more commercially active than at any other time in our history, uh, and that's only a good thing. We've adopted a model, Fab and I have spoken about this at length, we've adopted that Manchester United model of selling every asset you own, and when you run out, creating more. Mm-hmm. That's how you end up with official tyre partners, and you know we've got an official... Do we have an official ham or something, the Barclay Smokehouse? It's something ridiculous like that. That's great. Um, um, Ampatoki, our, our ham. No, Barclay Smokehouse. Oh, we've changed, haven't we? Yeah. After all those years. Yeah. Uh, but, but that's great. So that's a tick. We're, we're moving the needle in the right direction. Even if the even if the financial returns aren't enormous, the fact that we're attracting more sponsors and more commercial support and we're signing them up for longer terms, that's encouraging. That leads me to, I don't, this is a bit off track, but the fixture. I just want this on the record. I'm going to say it once and for all. Can the media connect the dots as to why we got so many Thursday, Friday night games? They seem incapable of doing it. I don't expect them to be listening to this. But if they are, we can expect an article. We lost a major sponsor halfway through last year. Not They went insolvent. They are no longer in existence. So we lost a couple of million bucks. Just gone. Virgin Australia were good enough to come on board. They picked up the slack. That's great. Do people not consider that maybe Stephen Trigg goes... We make noises about hiring a more commercially-minded CEO. Do they not think that maybe the AFL went, we'll give them a bit more exposure prime time. They can sell it to prospective sponsors. We're going to have four Friday night games. Who was, blah, who was blah. It just that, seems so obvious. That company that did go belly up, who, who was one of the uh, the people at the head of that company? Dimitriou. Andrew Dimitriou. Just connect the dots. Someone at the AFL probably said... Don't yeah, expect look, any journalist to do some research. Oh, man. It's just... it's look. We've, we, this, this podcast is basically... The research that journalists should have done yeah, maybe. in their assessment of where but we're at. at career the one die. We need someone to replace them. We need more commercial support. Pretty simple. The AFL would have said, look, we'll give you four or five. We'll give you a bit of prime time. You can go to your sponsors. You can go to your meetings mm-hmm. saying we're going to have this exposure. And they do the numbers. I've seen it. They do the numbers of what that exposure equals in terms of relative advertising spend and what they're going to get for value on the front page or the back page of the uh, Saturday morning Herald Sun or whatever the like, you know. So that's pretty simple. Uh, membership, good where it is. Mate, we're 55,000 55, members and we're 000, rubbish. Relatively speaking. Phenomenal. We're, and we're not a membership-based club. We are not a membership-based club, but culturally. But relatively speaking, around I'm our I'm not going to speak to that because it is culture. It is. Because, it is. and but, I can say this, it, look, Wogs don't buy memberships. No, we just don't. But when we're good, they do. they'll be there. They'll buy The ones who buy memberships will buy memberships again and we rock up in droves because we support our club. We love our club. Yeah. And I'm not saying me specifically. I'm just saying people of my cultural background. 
Like, you know, that we're just not membership buying. Yeah, and we, look, we pay at the gate. There is a dark art to cash. Me- <laughs> cash. <laughs> cash. <laughs> there, there is a dark art to membership reporting, manipulation, and numbers. Well, you reckon all those dog memberships are Hawthorne or Gordon Tassie? No, it's, no it's, it's not even that. It's it's sponsor A giving the club X dollars, and those X dollars becoming memberships, and that's a reality. It's Jeep or whoever you want to talk about it going to Richmond. We got a commitment in part of our sponsorship to buy. It could be five thousand, and then those five thousand memberships become community memberships, become staff, become. We'll give them out when you buy a car. That's the honest truth. So mm. there is some manipulation. So the number probably isn't fifty-five thousand people. It's probably somewhere around the high forties, low fifties. Yeah, which is still culturally. Sorry, in Richmond, have got about fifty-five thousand. Culturally, people. and and just in terms of where we are, is a really good number, and that will grow. The fact that we've got fifty-five thousand members when we're going through the worst period in the club's history is uh, is really excellent. Yes. Um, management, a little bit of upheaval here. This yeah. is a little bit of a worry in terms of key pillars, general managers of consumer business, CFOs, yeah. and the like being replaced, especially when they are reportedly good operators, um, especially when they're being poached by other clubs and we're not matching. Um, there was an article published today in the Herald Sun stating that we had upped our footy department spend $1.5 million. The worrying part of that article was we were the lowest. We were on the, the footy club spend out of all 18 clubs. We And this goes to the commercial thing. We obviously just didn't have the money. We just didn't have the cash to actually spend $1.5 million on more recruitment, more development, more, as Tim said, you cast the net wider. So that's encouraging. It's encouraging that that extra 1.5 is going to hopefully equal really tangible results with you know where the club's heading and that commercial revenue increase you know, ought to do that. And I expect it to increase again this off-season. I think there'll be a huge reshuffle with assistant coaches um, and I think there'll be a huge reshuffle. You know, I've seen you footy boss and the like. So, yeah. Uh, bugbear of mine is media. Yeah. Huge bugbear of mine. Don't waste your energy on it, I don't reckon. Can we... Once again, they're trying to do the right thing. Can our... Can our PR team get on the front foot? Can we get on the front? Why are we letting it just spiral out of control? Why is, and we've done this a few times this year, we have a shocking result against Freeman and we haven't heard from anyone in the club for weeks. And then all of a sudden, Lejudice does a back page with Robbo. Sauce does a Saturday with Robbo. Sauce does the media rounds the day of the game, does all the major broadcasters. We saw it again this week. Sauce does footy classified. The Judice spent basically the whole of Wednesday doing the rounds on, on, uh, on the radio. Sell the message more proactively, more consistently. Don't just let it get as bad as it can possibly be and then come out and sell the lines. You've got to, the communication has to be more constant, has to be more consistent. Um, we just we just need to get so much better at that, and even you know, one last thing on this on what we're saying publicly priority picks. Yep, we've come out and said we will not be applying for a priority. Kane Little pick. came out and said we will not be applying for a priority pick. Were we aware that that's the only way you get it? It's what I always knew the uh, the system. I think that we weren't aware that's the only way we're, you get it. We're now we've applied for one by the way. We applied for a pick in 2015, didn't get it, and got it knocked back. But. Well, I think we've said that, not realising that's the only way you get a priority pick. Mm. You actually have to apply for it. And, and it's a pride thing. And from, from my benefit, it's fuck pride. The, yeah. the football club will be, I used this word before, will be derelict in its duties. Totally. If we do not apply because for it. Because it's the old sort of thing. When, you, you sit there, you justify where we're at, how many games we've won, how many games we've got into the young kids and all that sort of stuff. The likely 
uh, upswing of our footy club where we're at, I think you can very easily sit there and say um, we need additional support. And and look, I think as a lot of people have always said is the priority pick, and, and, and the caveat on this I want to add is we won't be getting pick one. Oh, no. Out of a priority pick. No. We're getting an end of first round draft Which pick. Which is what the Lions got. Absolute best. Yeah. Absolute best. We, we, if anything else happened, they would rip the AFL apart because it's it's too much. And But the bottom line is the priority pick doesn't help you immediately. No. And But it, what it does is it, it probably recognises that you've been rebuilding. It adds another piece to the puzzle. What it probably does add is... Uh, an element that you've got the capacity to be able to trade. And especially considering we don't have that second-round pick. That's, That's exactly handy. right. And, and look, we have got two second-round draft picks back in, yeah. one from Western Bulldogs, which is which will be relatively early in the second round, and one from Adelaide. And Adelaide season's probably righted itself a little bit in the last two weeks. Um, but at one point in time when it looked like they were definitely going to miss the eight, you thought, yeah. well, that's a pretty good draft pick again that we're, we're, we're getting. But anyway, that that the one thing that your discussion before has talked about with Silvani is the trades that he's done, he's been able to use the assets that he's got yeah. at his disposal and flick it into being a little bit more every now and again. And he seems to have made the right decision. So I look forward to what he does with that coming into this off-season. Yeah, yeah great. Absolutely. And then... I suppose with the with the priority pick, lastly, just on that is, we've just well, we do this repeatedly. We did this with Fev when we remember when we came out. We said to Fev, "Have, have a drink." <laughs> we came out. We said to Fev, "Fev, if you step out of line again, that'll be it. Don't say it publicly." We came out and said we won't apply for a priority pick, but then we sort of left the door open to say, "If you give us one, we'll take it." And yep. our fellow said we have to ask for it. Yeah. Mm. So if we go now and say, "Can we have a priority pick?" We just look like mugs. Well, we're saying, yeah, but can I ask a question? We look like mugs. You sit there and you make a 27-page submission as part of your justification as to why you think we should get a priority pick. A lot of graphs in that 27 pages. I would have thought so. Yeah. Pie charts galore. Yeah. You submit that to Box the... Box and whisker plots. <laughs> <laughs> but you sit there and you give that to whoever you give it to. We don't have to make it public. That is true, but it'll it'll come it'll out. leak. It would come out. It'll it would leak. come out, but you know, ultimately, all we need to do is saying we recognise that the process was exactly as you said. We would be derelict in our duties to not ask the question. And if at the end of all of it, AFL says we don't think you need it, then we you go. That's it. fine because yeah. it sets the precedent to say we've got. You know, if we say on How one bad win, do you have to be? If you are going to say you don't get one, no one gets one. It, yeah. Like they they would genuine genuinely be phased out. I would have thought. Yeah. Which leads me to my last point. This is a massive, this is a hobby horse of mine. One of many. General branding and presentation of the club. Yeah. In the scheme of things, it's it's not terribly important. In the grand overall scheme of things, I, I understand that. But it's just the little things. Like it is, it's just the little things. We've got a graphic we run like it's the grilled blazing blue thing. It looks like it was made on clip art. <laughs> it's bad. I'm. It's so bad. And then you look at it, even taking it further... The Guernseys. We're the, we're the Yankees. We are the Yankees. Yeah. Why yeah. are we wearing a wolf grey? It's terrible. It's yeah. inexcusably no, I, bad. I, 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 and I, I use the phrase... Like my attitude with this stuff is when Red Bull Racing were winning world championships, they had a motto where these world championships were displayed in the entrance of their Milton Keynes facility. And Christian Horner explained that they are there because when you walk in the door, that's the standard. The standard is we are world champions. That's the standard we're defending. When they're not there, and he said this at the end of 2013, 
2013 it would have been when I think Hamilton had all but confirmed the title. And he said, so next year when they're not there, they're, 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 the window is empty as this is what we're chasing. Hmm. The standard is world championship. The standard is best in show. And my attitude with stuff like this with Carlton is what do we do in a branding and presentation point of view facet that is premiership standard? And I would argue it's nothing. Yeah. And that's not difficult to do. No, it's not. I would argue nothing we do from presenting the club. We're wearing a even like it sounds. It sounds so pedantic. We wear that grey Guernsey with white socks. Who's signing off on that? It's embarrassing. Yeah, it's pathetic. It's embarrassing. We look like and that's why we're kids. not making the eight. <laughs> oh, but that's just me. It's a little it's, thing. It's a little thing, but it's important. It's a thing. But it's this thing where you sit there and go, act the part. Yeah. We can't do it on the field at the moment. That's fine. That that'll hopefully come. But little things like that. I mean, it's just it's so sloppy. But going back to that blazing blue grill. Oh, thing, it's bad. Put it in your sponsorship and say, look, look, we'll do it. But if we get flogged, no offense. I don't want. I don't want to get my Instagram page on a Monday. Start rolling through, and I'm starting to get over the fact that we just got pumped, and see a blazing blue. It's basically a celebration of someone's piss poor performance. That's what it is. Someone rose above the mediocrity. <laughs> it's like, mate, I don't want to see this. It's like when they... What was it at Eddie had? What do we have? It's the... Uh, the bongo cam. The bongo cam. Now, if we've had a quarter in which we've got flogged... We did. I don't want to see that guy from freaking Totally Wild or whatever he was from. Pete Laser. Right? Yeah, right? I don't want to see Laser Vitovic down on the boundary line, right? Talking to a young boy or girl... Saying, oh, so who's your favourite player? Who's this? Because one of these days, the old man's going to grab that microphone and just have a go. Were you at, you were, were you at the Fremantle game? I didn't get to the Half Fremantle time, game. Oh, you missed a beauty. Half time. <laughs> I watched it. Obviously, we're goalless. Yeah. Emily Angwin gets on the mic. It looked like she was reporting from a war zone. <laughs> the crowd was booing. And she was like, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't, I'm not having to go at Emily Angwin. It was a terrible no. position for her to be in. Yeah. To be like, Thank God it was Emily. Someone, meant someone be, of a lesser, we're meant to be lesser pumping, capability would have... Would have. Like, we're meant to be pumping this up and no, blah, blah, blah. What can you say about Nothing. that? But you'd, as we said, in, in lieu of the bongo cam, <laughs> uh, uh, how about we have a moment of silent reflection? Yeah, a period of silent reflection. That's it. I don't... Like, we've just been flogged by Gold Coast. Mm. Me and Sean are sitting there. It was like quarter time, like... Actually, I just moved from. I sit next to Jay, and I've moved to go over to see to see Sean. You know, I felt like I felt like that guy on the beach like, in Saving Private. We're all we're all shell shocked. We're all shell shocked, <laughs> and we're like, seriously, take freaking bongo cam off. See yeah. the tone of the. Stop room. talking to the kids around. Oh, who's your favourite player? And pick your moments when you do that. Judge the tone of the room, Fab. Yeah, because no offence, and this is why the whole community initiatives and kids and getting girls involved in football and stuff. Um, when I grew up, girls loved football. There were Carlton supporters, female supporters all the time. And no one came and interviewed me in the gardener stand, sitting with my old man going, so who's your favourite player in that? Because that's going to make me come. You I didn't, I didn't, didn't have that. to receive mate, a football. Mate, from... they didn't do that because the Sam Smorgan scoreboard was incapable of transmitting right. live There was images. no Sam Smorgan scoreboard when I was in the bloody gardener stand. My point being... Bring back those graphics, They're doing the all this stuff. They're doing all this stuff for so-called, you know, to, to, to bring the game out there. Engagement for kids. You know what gets kids involved? Winning. Winning games of football. Yeah, totally. Winning. All right? We won games, three of us in this room, we won games of football. We jumped the fence and we replicated kicks for goal that our stars and our fan and our fa- fan favourites 
did a quarter before us. And that speaks to this idea as well. Celebrate heroes. Do we do enough? And once again, really little thing. Can I go to the Carlton shop? If you're, you know, you've got two very young boys, Harvey's. Yeah. They're probably not quite of the age just, just yet. Harvey's yeah. getting there. But you sit there and go, can you go to the Carlton shop and buy a Patrick Cripps poster? No. What a thought, sir. No, you can't. This is the thing. We've got you this, can't. You we've, can't we've go got to this the... facility and a nice Carlton shop. Yet, somehow, when I was of the same age as my sons, I went to the shop that was near the old swimming pool. You remember when you walked in there? Yeah, okay? yeah. In between the member stand and the garden stand, it was no bigger than this. It's tiny. Studio. It was tiny, right? But it had everything. It had everything. Yeah. Just little things. It's a $10. It's a, like, once again, it's the details. You should be out of all these little things. They're just little ticks that you can get while we're struggling on the field. These these kids need to see Cripps and Kerno and Paddy Dow, whoever it might be. They need to see the hope. People talk about, oh, you're losing a generation. Well, they're gone. A generation of fan is gone. Mm. Don't worry about you're losing a generation of fan. They are. They've left the building. Yeah. We don't matter to them. But the ones that we've got, we've got to do a little bit better. Got to do a little bit better. So that's my rundown of the now. And look, like I said, there's some positive stuff there. Commercially good. Up until your rant, it was it was generally positive. Commercially was, very good. You know, ooh. memberships solid. Um, given the situation, on the field, our trading and our drafting, it feels like yeah. Um, I was thinking about you know that classic scene in Wallace and Gromit when the the train's running and Gromit's laying the tracks. It feels a little bit like we're trapped in that at the moment. We're trying to go a million miles an hour. You haven't seen that? No, no. You, you, you I, I, I may have seen it, Wallace but you're Gromit, the dog, <laughs> I'm not with you. There's a there's a toy train, and he's precariously perched at the front of the train, feverishly laying the next track. Uh, it feels a little bit like at the moment. Yeah, that's what we're doing. It's a bit of a just in time delivery. Yeah, we just we just get it. I think the wheel will turn though. There's there's some positive stuff that we're doing. Absolutely. There's some stuff we can do better. Absolutely. But now we're going to hand over to Tim Bow, and you're going to have a look at the future, starting with the draft, starting with pick one, and a list ladder. 